Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and you're very welcome back to Tip Today. Hello to my lovely friend, uh, Joe Noble, and she was on to say what a great night she had last night in the Templemore Arms, and she said, I'm on a high this morning from it. Well, I'm delighted to hear that. Uh, Joe met so many people there in the Arms last night, and thanks as ever to Dan Ward and his wonderful team there for all of the uh, hospitality uh, as well. And uh, I met my friend uh, Mary Gordon. I hadn't met Mary for so many uh, years, and I'm delighted to report she looked fantastic and was in uh, a great form as well. And John and Breda were there for from Temple to Heat. And uh, Geraldine and John as well. Geraldine, I'm sure, as we speak, is cooking in uh, Lockmore Cottage. And uh, believe it or not, I met two Kitty O'Shea's last night. And uh, one Kitty O'Shea was enough to uh, to <laughs> to put pay to Charles Stewart uh, Parnell's uh, career. But two Kitty O'Shea's uh, last night. And my old friend Pat Costello was there as well, a great uh, entertainer. And uh, yeah, we had mighty crack. Mighty crack altogether. And uh, thanks, Joe. I didn't realise until last night that uh, you're a heavy metal fan. And I really have to talk to you about that at some point or other as well. One of our listeners on to say the health service is a sham, Fran. I've been waiting uh, uh, on a list since 2019. I rang them last week to be told that it could be 2024 or 2025 before I get an appointment. My husband is on a waiting list as an urgent case and uh, has been told that it could be a year to a year and a half before he gets an appointment. Somebody else telling me that teenagers from the Stradivore Court uh, area going around with pit bull uh, dogs attacking and killing other dogs and they're getting away with it and nothing being done here, it says. And that's in from one of our listeners today. Now, my next piece this morning is with uh, photographer Katrina Kenny, whose artwork is synonymous with the Gouty Mountains and with the beautiful Glen of Arlow. And she returned to songwriting after receiving notice to quit the cottage that she's been living in for 15 years in the hope that she will have monetary success to build a home for her two beautiful daughters. This is Katrina's story about her journey to have a baby on her own. We'll hear the emotional highs and lows, including a miscarriage and indeed thoughts of suicide at one point. She hopes that her story might inspire women who want to have a baby but whose relationships have failed to have a baby on their own. I didn't plan on having a baby by myself. I never did that. I, in my head, I thought, I'll meet somebody and get married in my 30s, you know. And, uh, and that didn't happen. I, you know, I, like, I just... But I certainly... Um, I, I, I would never have dreamed that I would go down the route of having a baby on my own. Now, I used to joke a lot and say, oh, look, you know, if I don't meet the right person, I'll go to the sperm bank. You know, maybe you should watch what you wish for. (laughs) So, um, yeah, like, that wasn't on the cards. You just, I think in your 30s, when you're younger, you presume these things will just happen, do you know? Um, And for me, like, I, I fell in love deeply three times and I had, by the time I got to 40 kind of my last chance I, I I was broken-hearted for the third time and I, I I didn't feel that I could I still don't feel but I didn't feel at that point I could go through that again and then I was 40 
and you know, then you kind of get a bit of a shake. Yes. And you st- but I still had a belief, I can have a baby. But in regards to a relationship, looking for a, for a man to have a baby with, I kind of weighed it all up. And I think, I thought, I'm just going to do this on my own. And I had two very inspirational stories from friends of mine. Uh, they were gay. And, um, you know, Claire... Um, was it was a single lesbian and you know she decided that she wanted a baby and she was quite middle class and she she went over to a shop there was a a colored man working there and she just said to him look you know how about it <laughs> and i i mean i'm making it very simple but it what she made it simple and they went out the back and funny enough had sex on the photocopier and nine months later most beautiful baby in the world and she continued on. And, and this fellow knew that she didn't want anything from him. And he was happy with that. And then another gay couple I knew, they wanted a baby. Uh, and they asked, um, gosh, he, he got a beautiful looking man. He was from the West Caribbean. And she got pregnant. And, you know, um, so I had these inspirational stories. So what about you then? What did you well, decide? Well, what did I decide? Well, you know, obviously people would say, to, oh, go off and have a... You know, I remember a GP actually saying to me, uh, not in temporary, uh, saying, oh, why don't you just go off and have a one-night stand? And I was like, no. First of all, I think that's quite immoral. I think, what about the guy? Mm. Uh, secondly, mm. what about diseases? What about, how would you know? And then the other thing I really, really, really didn't want, I've always been incredibly independent, you know, yeah. I have, I've created my own business, you know, and all of that. So I was like, I don't want anybody coming back and claiming custody. Of course. And what kind of a setup is that? So before you even get pregnant, why would you be setting up a scenario of fighting over a baby? Mm. And what about the baby? What about the child? What about going to daddy's, going to mummy's? So I said to myself, do you know what I'm going to do? Because, of course, you see, I thought it was easy. Um, it took me six and a half years to have Anya James. Wow. And it was the journey to hell. It was incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I, I did, nobody knew. I was uh, the photographer and the correspondent of the Nationalist newspaper. So I was out and about. And only my very, very close friends knew knew that you were going on this journey. yeah 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 so all all the time how how did it begin and what what happened along the way well the first thing was i <laughs> i did what googled <laughs> sperm banks or you know and i got to this clinic in dublin which were very unscientific it was just this like there was no scans or anything you just literally on your 12th day of the cycle you went up and they did the sperm donation and you crossed your fingers and I remember the day I came out with my friend Carmel. And I very much believe in miracles. I believe in everyday miracles. I, as I said, I did a lot of personal development training. And I remember when we came out, there was a double rainbow in the sky. And I took this as an amazing sign, an amazing sign. And then as the years went on and it didn't happen, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, I was really confused about that because I know that I know I got a sign. But you see, now... The double rainbow. It did happen, but the second, you know, not for another six and a half years. And I didn't, believe me, believe me, to try and have one baby was this miraculous, like it was this horrendous hell journey. But I like, I didn't even know if I could have one baby. So so to have two babies by the time I was 48 and a half was 
and still is to me unbelievable. It's, 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 uh, you know. Tell me about some of the lows along the way, some of the, the difficulties, because there was a considerable amount of difficulties. There was a lot of difficulties, because I think anybody, I, I've, I've often said in hindsight, I was on my own doing this. I said, if you were in a couple, if you were in a relationship, in a couple, whether married or as partners, if you survive IVF, you'll survive anything. I, I went to give up many, many times, and often, you know, I had a clinic in Dublin after the, the first attempt, and obviously, like, there was no scientific look, looking at scans. So soon enough, I thought, I think I'm going to have to do more than that. So I went to a different clinic in Dublin, and I used to often, after coming out of the clinic, I would just cry all the way home. I'd be driving, obviously, but I would just cry all the way home. I'd come home, I'd get, I'd c come in the door, and I'd just crawl into bed and put the duvet over my head. Because if anybody, anybody who suffers any anxiety or mental stress, and, and that is a particularly stressful situation, it's the mind. It's so busy. It's, it's on at you. It's like, oh, you know, what did you do? What didn't you do? Why didn't you do this? And why didn't you, you did this? And uh, what news were you getting in Dublin that had you so... Yeah, well, friends? I can give you uh, the worst uh, point, the lowest point of my journey was, and I think I was possibly three, two, two and a half, three years in. So, you know... Obviously, you have to have the perfect cycle as a woman. And then on day 12, you go up and they would scan you. And what they're looking for is, is that your follicle, <laughs> I didn't even know what a follicle was, but your follicle is has to be 18 millimetres before they will do the sperm donation, before they do the procedure. So, I mean, I've never looked at the size of my, how would I know the size of my follicles? You know, say, for example, I went up on the Monday because uh, I can't quite remember the dates, but I went up on the Monday, and they were like, oh, no, 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 you know, your follicle's over only 12 millimetres, Katrina, so come back, come back on Wednesday, and you're like, OK, you know, it will, and you get in the car and you say to yourself, it will be 18 millimetres on Wednesday, and then I got back up Wednesday, and I think it was 14 millimetres, and you start to be, what you feel is, I felt a failure, you know, you're beginning to fail as a woman, because this is, you know, as a woman, you're supposed to be able to produce children, and as a man, you're supposed to be able to just you know, to produce the perfect sperm. And when I went back up on the Friday, and obviously, like, you'd be praying, you know, uh, this particular technician, you know, she did the scan, and she said, you know, she said your, your follicle's only 14 millimetres, so do you know what? If it's not 18 millimetres the next time you come back, I just wouldn't bother. I just wouldn't bother coming back. And what she didn't realise, my world collapsed. She was telling me, you can't have a baby. And in my mind, because we all have, we don't need people to criticise us, we, we do a good job. I was just a failure. And I was, my world crashed down, I thought. And then I thought, well, if I can't have a baby, because I had other successes, I thought, if I can't have a baby, I don't want to live. So I came out into the car, and my entire attention was to find a wall to drive the car into at 100 miles an hour and kill myself because I was a complete failure as a woman. I couldn't grow my follicle to 18 millimetres, so why bother coming back? Help me to understand, as a man, that drive that's in you to have a baby. What, what is that? How do you describe that? Um, I, I can, all I can tell you for me is 
I always had big dreams, you know, f- from a young age. I wanted to be a singer, and then I realised I was really good at music, and then I realised this, and I realised I wrote a book, and then I realised this. And I always uh, had this drive for dreams. And as I said, in the background, I wanted a family, but I was doing all my career. And, my, you know, my, my, my father suffered with a ill health from the time that I was 13 upwards, and that's why we moved back to Ireland. They were both from Ireland. And... You know, Dad's sickness was there, and I, every time I felt I was making progress on other things, I'd be called back to look after Dad and help Mum. And then my mother got sick. So I think when Mum died in 2007, I was 37 at that point, but I think I, 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 I really uh, flourished as an artist and creativity and the photography and everything. But even though there was all of that, and I came to live in Rossadrehid, and I, I created a really good life for myself so I ha- I was happy but there was this th- there was something missing and the missing thing for me was a baby and at that point because I had had broken heart and I I did not want to take a risk on love again then there was just the baby wasn't there the family I thought I'll get married in my 50s that's what I told myself you know you'll be older and maybe a bit wiser and you won't be so bad at picking men <laughs> you know mm. But the baby, it just, I, I just, I just wanted to have a baby. And I knew, too, that the baby would be the makings of me. It would be the full circle. So I think a lot of women that I knew, when they got into the relationship, that was their, they felt whole. Yes. I, 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 I looked for that, and it didn't happen. So I, I felt... Where was my life going to be? This I remember asking myself a question. So here you are, you're in an idyllic cottage. You, you, you know, you, you, you're creating an idyllic life for yourself. Well, it will delete the, the relationship at the moment because we know that doesn't work. So, but where am I going to be in five years' time? Here with my cats. There's nothing wrong with being with cats. But I felt it's not enough. <laughs> Tell me about the miscarriage, because, again, that was another low. Yeah, yeah, that was an unexpected. Not that any miscarriage would be expected, but mine was totally unexpected. So by the time I got to the IVF, uh, what happened was the first one um, didn't work. And then the second one, I got pregnant. And, you know, the excitement of doing the pregnancy test... (laughs) And do you know what's gas? Can I just dive, divert a little bit quickly on that one about the pregnancy test? It's amazing. So when you have IVF, you have the procedure, the embryo is implanted, and then you have to wait two weeks to do the test, right? right. So then in your brain, you tell yourself it didn't happen because you'd go crazy thinking about, am I pregnant? Am I pregnant? Am I pregnant? You know, and, uh, <laughs> and then the morning you go to take the test, you won't take it because you're so afraid. You're so afraid that it's going to be no, that you won't take it. So you've got your whole, you know, you're peeing into, I peed into a cup because I was busting for a pee, but I knew that was the pee I needed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is all the craziness that goes on in your mind. Uh, and then, and then I had two cups, two pee cups, because then I didn't, I thought, well, if, if it does say I'm pregnant, I really need to make sure I am, you know. So obviously the ex, you know, amazing and miracle. And I went, it's all incredibly intense when you have IVF because most people, when they copulate, uh, it, that she doesn't know she's pregnant until she misses a period, which could be four or five weeks later, or it could be two months later. But here we are under the microscope 
you know, you're waiting two weeks then to go down and have your first scan to, for, the, for the clinic to confirm that, you, you know, you are pregnant. And that was perfect. That was fine. And then I had to go back again. So a bit of timing here, lads, but I had to go back again. And, uh, you know, so the first time when you go down and they confirm it, you think, that's it. This is incredible. I'm pregnant. And what happened was, was I went back then for the, for the next scan. Uh, I think at that point it was five weeks, around the five weeks, five and a half weeks. And I could tell by my nurse coordinator's face, you know, they put the probe in and I could just, I knew, like, we had been on the journey and I just looked at her and I went, what's going on? And she said, Katrina, um, 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 look, I'd have to go and get Dr Khan or, you know, and I was like, okay, okay. And, you know, I remember thinking, this, what's she going to tell me, you know? And he came back in and he said, look, um, the baby is not developing. You know, the little spinal cord. At that point, they call it the rod, I think, if my memory serves me right. And it's not, um, it's not developing. And he said, look, I don't think this baby's going to make it. And you're just looking at him. And I'm, I was like, because I, I was still taking drugs at that point, the IVF drugs. So it hadn't, like, what do you mean? Why am I taking all these drugs? How could I possibly have a miscarriage when I'm taking, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? So what, what, what are you talking about? And it was absolutely devastating. And I then remember Eilish, my nurse coordinator, saying, look, look, We'll leave it a week and we'll see what happens. So, so, so leave it a week. The baby, it might, maybe the baby will be perfect next week. Do you know, sometimes these things can happen. They don't grow at the rate that we expect them to and all of this. And uh, so the first thing that happened was I remember I was with my friend Carmel and we just, I cried all the way home, but we couldn't speak. And then I did my thing. I told you my, my MO at the time was... I came in and I went up and I put the duvet over my head and uh, I cried and cried and cried. And then I said to myself, well, hold on, though. There's still hope. And I believe in miracles because not the really, really, I mean, the big ones, obviously, you can tell I believe in them now, but even the small daily ones. And I said to myself, look, I have gone to the ends of the earth to try and have this baby. So what I need to do now for the week is... I need to get onto miracle workers, anybody I can find, and create a miracle. And I need the hand of God to come down and touch this baby and say, you're going to be okay, everything's going to be okay. So I immediately rang some alternative practitioners that I, I know, and I said, you've got to help me, okay, we're in this situation. And I was literally on this action plan, do you know? And I said to myself, when I get back next week, and we have that scan, that baby's going to be perfect. I will have created a miracle. Because I believe in miracles, I'll create the miracle, you know? And equally, at the same time, I had this amazing... When I look back at it, it was a revelation. And I really believe in my angels, because, trust me, for the downs I've had in my life, I have to believe in something. And I had handed my life over to them when I started the journey. And I said, listen, lads, <laughs> come over here to me a minute. Come over here, lads. Listen, lads. Um, you know, I want to have a baby, and you have to help me. But I had always asked... For not just a healthy pregnancy, but a healthy baby. Because I said, look, lads, I'm on my own. I'm going to be what they call a geriatric mum. Do you know that? The minute you hit 36, I think. You're... So I said, I can't, I, I can't cope with anything else. 
you know, I wouldn't be able to cope with a severely disabled, you know, disabled baby. And also, can you imagine going through a miscarriage at six months or eight months or, God forbid, anything happening at the birth? So I had always said to them, please, please, please make sure I have, you promise me, you know, you'll give me a healthy, healthy baby. So I had this realisation, Fran, this is what got me through. Pretty much 48 hours out after being told that this baby might not make it. And I said, they are looking after me. It doesn't look like it, but look at it. They are looking after me. Because if this baby isn't going to make it, it's not going to make it. And isn't it better to have this happen now rather than three months, six months, nine months into pregnancy? And even then, something happening at birth or having to make decisions afterwards. So I really got this sense of calm and trust. That's what you need in every trust. I trusted them. I trusted them. So by the time we got back to the clinic the following week, and we went into the room, and just, I know this is intense for people, and it is intense, because it is a matter of life and death, after all. I remember going in, and I had this amazing sense of calm. And the gas thing was, was my poor nurse coordinate was standing there, and she was crying. My friend Carmel was in the cor corner praying and crying, and I was the only calm person, because I had accepted, I had acceptance. If the probe goes in, and the scan shows the baby isn't, is not going to make it, then I, this is a blessing. They are looking after me. It's okay. And that baby, the spirit of the baby, I really believe, is okay. Because the spirit of the baby who chooses you, I really believe that, will just go on to another family. Or maybe come back to me later. Do you know? So the baby's okay. The spirit of the baby's okay. The miscarriage will happen. But the baby's okay. The spirit of the baby will just go and find another family or maybe come back to me later. And but, I left. But you had accepted it. I had accepted it. So tell me the good news then, because of course it did end up with good news. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the third time I went, I was very lucky, Fran, too, because a lot of people go seven, eight, ten. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, as I said, if couples can survive that, I was on my own. If they can survive that, they'll survive anything. And yeah, the third time, lucky. And I did the pregnancy test, and then I was very wary up until 20 weeks. Do you know what I mean? I was wary. But yeah, uh, everything went great from day one. I had a pretty easy pregnancy except a morning sickness. And um, I had a very, very healthy pregnancy up until the time Arnie James was born, with the exception that a week before I developed this cholestasis. I didn't even know what that was because I didn't attend any antenatal classes. And um, that's just a, it, it can be very dangerous for the baby. And just a funny, again, see, little funny stories. So my consultant was um, head of the actual fertility clinic, you see, the court fertility clinic. So it made sense to have the baby under him in, in the court maternity mm -hmm. hospital. But uh, I developed this cholestasis, which could be, can kill the baby. It's, it's, it's quite dangerous. And uh, I remember going into him and he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, he goes, how do you want to have the baby? I went, well, how do you think I'm going to have the baby? I was <laughs> like, what? What? He goes, well, you can have the baby. I'm going to have the baby. How do you think? I'm the vaginal baby. Do, where's the girls? Is? And he was like, uh, well, he said, if I were you, Katrina, he said, look, I look at you and you look 35, but down there you're 45. And he said, I highly recommend you have a C-section. Sorry, this was before I found out I had cholestasis. And I went, okay. 
And he said, has anybody spoken to you about, you know, that you'll lose all your muscles and you could be incontinent? And I'm looking at him because nobody tells you that. Nobody tells you that. And the fact that I'd be 45, you know, I mean, I'm not a young woman, you know. And uh, anyway, so, but he actually said, so I said, look, I tell you what, I said, I, I'm really bad. You have to be really straight with me. I can't do subtlety. I don't read it. Are you telling me I should have a C-section? And he said, well, put it this way. He said, if you were my wife, he said, you'd be having a C-section. And I went, right, but do you like your wife? <laughs> 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 and uh, anyway, again, walked out of there, said to my angels, you know what's going to be best for me. So if you think I should have a C-section, that's what's going to happen. And if you think I can have my natural birth, and within four days, I was back down to the hospital because I had cholestasis, and they said, you're in Friday for a C-section. Tell yeah. me about that feeling when you got on your James into your arms. Tell, oh, tell my me about goodness. That. The miracle of it, Fran. The miracle of it is unbelievable. And if that wasn't then, I remember when Anya James was... By the way, I, I had spoken to the spirit world all my life, but I'll tell you about it another time. But I knew there was two babies, and I knew Oshin was waiting. I knew he was waiting, because I'd spoken to him. Because when I'd asked which one of them was coming first, because I thought I was going to have twins when I, when I seen two spirit babies... <laughs> talking to them but that is a bit bizarre for people and i i apologize if that's a bit too much to throw into the conversation but um you see there was another embryo left and i kind of knew in my heart hearts i couldn't leave it behind and i sure i had i didn't i in my at that point it was oshin a boy so anya james she was talking at a young age strangely enough uh she um she said i want a baby sister and I thought, well, I might be able to give you a baby sister, but I know Oshin's waiting. But um, so I went, I went back and had, I, I, had, I used the, the last embryo. And, uh, and now you can imagine the appreciation in your heart and soul and every cell of your body at that point that I had one baby. I mean, crumbs. I mean, winning the jackpot, winning the lottery, everything. And feeling in great trust about the whole thing. So... I went back, and again, I just said to my angels, it's up to you guys, isn't it? You know, if this is to be, it will be. And it, it was to be. And it was her sibling, you see. So... And why not Oshin? Yeah, I don't know. Oshin, uh, Oshin, again, I don't know if people know this or believe in it, but, you know, we chose our parents, you chose your... And seemingly this is to do with we come down and we learn our life lessons. Mm. So Oshin was there, but this is what I think happened to Oshin. <laughs> And I didn't find out, I, I didn't know, I, I, I didn't find out with Anya James whether she was going to be a girl or a boy, because it was the first one and it was going to be a surprise. Yes. And, uh, and Anya James, by the way, so Anya is my mother and James was my dad, so she's called Anya James. She was two days old and she started smiling at somebody on my right shoulder and I knew it was my dad and I got the message, well, what about James? You know, how are you going to... So Anya James, that's how Anya James came. But going back to, so it's 20-week scan and because I'm a geriatric, geriatric mother because mm -hmm. of course at this point how old am I then 48 I had Nora Shawn when I was 48 and a half so something like that anyway so uh they you know they do recommend having that 20 week scan and I she said do you want to know <laughs> do you want to know the sex that I said I already know it's a boy because you might want to change that because I'd asked 
visit the baby. So I was really confused when I came out, and I was a bit upset because I thought, what happened to Oshin? I know what happened to Oshin. So at that point, I had my great friend Carmel nearly practically living with me. I'm surrounded by women, <laughs> yeah? There's already a baby girl. He's looked down and he's gone, oh, OK. I think, uh, I think I'm going to... How am I going to play sports? I'm going to move on here. And I have utter faith that, A, he thought that, and moved on, and I, I would have utter faith that he's in a family of boys right now, boisterous boys, but also Nora Sean, I reckon, would have kicked him off <laughs> and said, Oi, look at the care and attention. Look at that place down there I in Rossiter. Look at that in the mountains. Look what's going on down there. Uh, it's, go on with you. And so she came. That's lovely. Is Katrina Kelly complete now? I am complete, and I think that if... if uh, a man comes in now that it will be very different because I'm already incredibly content and happy. So, you know, he, he won't have to try and make me happy because I am. I have, I have, I can't, how can I ask for anything else except for a house? You want to build a house and somewhere very special for the girls. Yeah, so. I do. I mean, I love... I've lived in the Glen of Allow, I've lived in Ross the for 15 years, and I've lived in this wonderful cottage that I rented, and circumstances have changed, and I've been asked to leave. And uh, obviously, as we all know, there's nowhere to go. I always had a dream of building my own house. That's why I went back to songwriting, Fran, because although I'm a photographer, and that's great, but... <laughs> I need big money. So, I'm again, I'm looking for the miracle. And the miracle is, I can summarise. I have to believe in myself, because you have to believe in yourself. And wouldn't it be fantastic if, as you said to me, it only takes one song. It only takes one. And that could pay the mortgage of a house. It's just refreshing to say, this isn't about me. So the pressure is different. Actually, there is no pressure. I don't feel any pressure. Um, because... It's for the girls. I want to create a home for them in the Glen of Ahlo for the girls. Katrina, pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> and that's uh, Katrina Kenny's uh, story there. If you want to support Katrina on her journey uh, to build a house, she's got some gorgeous artwork uh, for sale. And, of course, you can uh, pre-order her upcoming autobiography as well. So it's Katrina Kenny Photography. Dot com. That's Katrina, C-A-I-T-R-I-O-N-A, Katrina Kinney, photography.com. All right, we'll be talking interior design in just a few moments. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.